Good morning, Auburn Community Church. Y'all feeling good? You should be feeling good, War Eagle. Man, I'm grateful to get to preach after a win. That's all I'm saying. I had a different message. Like during the fourth quarter, I was like, what message am I bringing tomorrow? Uh, shout out to everybody at Lake Martin that is leaning in. Can we get a little roar from y'all at Lake Martin? Okay, we heard you, but i just like to say I'm putting in my resume for maybe an open position at the Lake Martin campus. And here in Auburn, can we celebrate that there's a bunch of people gathered together in Birmingham also in ACC Birmingham. I, I saw a picture last week of the the group, the church, the, the people that God was pulling together in Birmingham. So you got Auburn, you got Lake Martin, you got Birmingham, Miles and Courtney are there today. And I, I just think it's really special as Cheryl was talking and just blown away to be here, by the way. Cheryl and David are some of our longest, dearest friends in the world. We're so grateful. Matt's over here. Uh, thank you, Miles, Courtney, for this privilege. But I was, I was thinking about your church and getting this report on Afghanistan and how God's using you to help these men and women in Afghanistan, thinking about the, the messages that are coming from this house, thinking about the people, especially the college students that are going to be launched from this house. It, it really is mind-blowing. And I was thinking about what Paul wrote to the Romans, and he, he was writing them a letter in the first chapter, and he said, your faith is being reported throughout the whole world. And I just want to continue to speak that into the life of this church. You, not a few people on stage. The people on stage, we're servants through whom God is using to help you be all that he wants you to be, live the life he wants you to live, uh, go where he wants you to go, be used by him. Through us, through this church, God is using you to change people's lives around the world. Your faith is being reported. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so honored I will tell you, I'll be honest with you, as I come today into this remnant series, one, it's been a phenomenal series. Can I get an amen on that? I agree with your pastor. I really pray this would be more than a series of teachings, but it would leave a lasting mark on your church and on your life. And Gage is over here. He preached a phenomenal message a couple weeks ago, and I've been catching up on the podcast on one and a half speed. If you thought Miles was pa a passionate preacher in normal speed, I'd encourage you to go listen to the talks on one and a half speed. I'm driving down the road and Miles is, you know, getting, I mean, I felt like he was about to come out of my phone into my car and really re let me know about the Sermon on the Mount. But I, I come this morning, to be honest, humbled and privileged that God would use me to maybe speak to you. Uh, Cheryl mentioned it here for the Birmingham Lake Martin people, but uh, the last time I got to be at the church was, uh, I won't get all to, I won't get into the specifics, but it, it was the most significant day of ministry I may have ever had in my life. And it, and it changed the way I think about any Sunday because you never know what God's going to do. And I would encourage you even this morning, I'm not trying to make much of myself by any means. Anytime we gather as the people of God under the uh, word of God, singing the praises of God in the presence of God, we should come with expectation. But I would just encourage you to ask God, even in quietly in your heart right now, to let the walls come down. 
to let the numbness fade away of been there, done that. I, I go to church, I sing some songs, I hear a message. No, we believe with all of our heart that God has something not just for you, but for us. And I'm coming today going, God, what, what do you want to do in my life? And, and Miles has been texting me throughout the week like, hey, can you send me your slides? And I, I've taken this week very seriously and I've been thinking, what, God, do you have for me to say? I've worked very, very hard on it. My wife, a Kentucky Wildcat fan over here, by the way, my beautiful wife, Brittany. So wait, shout out to the Wildcats for taking down the Gators yesterday. Come on. I say that because our family, we're a Wildcat household because uh, I went to Texas A&M. And so we'll just move on from that. We've been struggling. But... She's like, how are you feeling about the talk? And humbly overwhelmed going, I know God has something to say, and I want to be a good steward of it, and I just don't want to give another talk today. We're jumping into, back into the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, and this is a section of scripture that there's, it's about relationships with a little bit of interesting turn in there. And I would probably divide this up into three or four sections. And typically, especially as you've been maybe reading through Divine Conspiracy, uh, and all the commentaries say, hey, these are actually typically sections we take apart and let stand in and of themselves. And I think we need to look today as we read it, why they're all put together. We'll get to that. But I, I would say there's one section in this, in this passage, in this sermon that we really love. And then there's a couple of the sentences and the statements of Jesus that we don't really want to implement into our life. But come on, we are under a king into a new culture. There's a way, this is what the series is, that Jesus wants us to live. And so we need to take all of the words, not just picking and choosing what we feel good about or what we think we should do. These, uh, I remind you, are the words of Jesus, the words of the king, and he's a good king, the words of your maker. And he knew what he was doing. The words of the author and perfecter of the faith. The, one, the words of the perfect one. So he didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk, gave us a model to follow. And then by dying, rising, on the cross, or rising from the grave, he then gave us the power to actually live out these words in our life. And it says in um, verse 1 of chapter 7, do not judge, or you too will be judged. No amens here, Birmingham, so I'll just keep going. I think this might be the section we don't really like. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Uh-oh. Great message coming today, Brad. Here we go. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a, a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Here we go. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, it takes a turn, and it will be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I would underline that. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Can I get an amen there? Okay. So in everything due to others, What you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus uses some pretty stinging words right there to this group of disciples with the masses leaning in, right? And he's talking about relationships, how we interact with with each other. Then he puts a little section in prayer right there, right? So we'll get to that, but... I'm kind of wondering as I was reading that, does anybody think that our world needs to hear this section of teaching from Jesus in the year 2021? I mean, come on, we we live in a mean world. Like we live in a look out for myself world. I will put people down no matter the cost if it gets me higher up or if it makes me look good. And so yes, in this kingdom teaching, Jesus shows up and he starts saying, there is a different way to live. My followers, the disciples of my way, not the consumers of my merit should live differently. And if you want to make an impact in the world, If you want to make a difference in your workplace, then it's really not as hard as it might seem. If you want to live in God's will, and this is actually what I was titling the talk, Living in God's Will. I think we all desire to know God's will for our life. And that's actually when we start praying a lot, right? You got a big decision, wondering where you should live, wondering what you should major in it, wondering if you should do this and, you know, put your kids in that school or this school, wondering if you're going to get that job. If there is a relationship, you're like, God, just show me what your will is. And this whole time in, in, Matt, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, you know what my will is? It's way more, con- I'm way more concerned about who you are than what you do. And that is this Sermon on the Mount when he says, do not judge or you will be judged. What he's not saying is he's not saying that there shouldn't be courts, courts of law. There shouldn't be a society that determines justice. He is not saying that. Nor is he saying that you and I should, should not be discerning between right and wrong. Some people use this as a cop-out to say, hey, can't judge me. I can do whatever I want because you're not supposed to judge. So it's actually on you for me doing that. No, he said, We do have to be discerning between right and wrong. He's also not saying you shouldn't care about other people's transformation, other people becoming more like Jesus. He's just saying there's a a way to go about things. What he is saying is he's calling his people, he's calling you and me to not be so critical, to not be so judgmental, to not be condemning. And that's the way the world works. I'm better than you. You need to do what I want you to do. And so let me point out your faults, your shortcomings, your mistakes without turning the spotlight first on me. 
I, I, I have to say, and maybe I can be one of the worst at this, I was uh, thinking of a story, and there's many of times um, that I put my foot in my mouth, uh, especially with my wife, right? That I'm quick to judgment, and then on the other end, I'm receiving grace. And it was a few months ago that like, I can't even, I can't even remember what she did. I just know that she made a mistake that was going to cost us a little money. That, that's all I remember. I don't know if it was like a small fender bender or like she forgot to pay the power bill. And that's, you know, one of the things she takes care of in her house. So we had to pay 20 extra dollars in a late fee. I don't even remember. I, I, y'all are looking at me like I'm weird. Uh, I just remember I was a little frustrated about the $20. I'm like, man, I could have gone to a nice meal for that. You know, like we, that $20, we just like threw it away. And I'm also, in the meantime, doing a house project for her while she's wasting the $20. I'm at a friend's house trying to get a ladder to come and hang some lights and got a Toyota 4Runner and I couldn't get the back window down. I couldn't find a pickup truck. So I, I was trying to figure out if I could fit the, this is a stupid story. I was trying to figure out if I could fit the ladder in, inside the Toyota 4Runner without leaving the back, you know, door open, without the window rolled down to the back. And so I just like squeeze it in there and it's really close. And I, I close the back door and it does not break the black back glass. It breaks the front windshield. Who has ever broken the front windshield of their car by putting a, no one, no one. And I had to walk home in shame going, babe, that $20 looks like nothing in comparison to the shattered windshield that I have. But we're so quick to get frustrated with other people's mistakes and mess ups and faults. We're so quick to criticize or be judgmental when the whole time Jesus is like, You're not perfect, you don't have it all together. There's only one perfect one, so you don't, I don't need to put the judgment in your hands. Maybe let's do more grace. Let's have more grace and less criticism. What would happen in Auburn, Alabama, in Birmingham, Alabama, in Dadeville, Alabama, come on, if there were more grace and less criticism? This is what Jesus is calling you and I to, and so there, there needs to be a humility on our lives that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all together, that we don't always get it right. There needs to be a repentance. One of the most godly things that you can do today is, uh, is confess the ways that you fall short. Ask God to shine his light on the shortcomings in your heart and your life. Repent of that. Agree with God and confess that. Turn the spotlight on the plank in your own eye. And then that will position you and me to be helpful in other people's lives as well. He wants you and I simply put to be participants in the transformation process. Because God does want to transform his children into his image. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the remnant. Men and women that are looking more and more like Jesus as they live their lives. So participate in the transformation process and it starts with you. 
And that's what Jesus is saying. As you are transformed, as you get the planks out of your eye, as you become more like Jesus, as you leave behind the old and step into the new, instead of forcing that change down people's throats and say, hey, you need to change, you need to change. This is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with you. It's like, no, they'll see you change and that will inspire them to change. They'll see you looking different and they'll believe that difference is, uh, being different is a possibility for them. They'll see you walk in humility and they'll receive your not criticism, but constructive feedback with a lot more openness, right? Our churches, including me, are way too full of the older brothers. You know the story? The prodigal son, we love that story. Guy messes up, kid messes up, wastes the inheritance, runs and does his whole thing, messes like just completely ruins the family name. And then he gets welcomed back with open arms. Come on, the father loves him. We're like, thank you for a father that welcomes us back no matter what we've done. And that is the gospel that is true of all of us. And we love that story and we should love that story. But the story is just as much about the older brother is it is the one that ruined the inheritance. And I'm speaking to a bunch of people on a Sunday morning in church after a big Auburn game. I would imagine there's a tendency for all of us, uh, no offense to anybody in uh, Birmingham or listening from afar that likes Alabama or Sanford, like God bless y'all, especially the Alabama fans. <laughs> A&M's gonna beat you next week. You heard it here first. <laughs> that was not a joke. Come on, Luke 15. This is after the the father throws the party for the son. The son gets the fatted calf. And it says, meanwhile, verse 25, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing because there was a party. There was repentance. There was grace. There was the gospel. There was somebody who was far off, now back in the fold. There's someone who didn't deserve it, now getting the very best. But there was an older brother that heard the music and he got mad. He called one of his servants, asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. Bad day for the calf, good day for everybody else because he has made him, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And he answered his father, not with honor, not with humility. He said, look, let me give you a piece of my mind. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours who has squandered your property with the prostitutes come home, you will kill the fatted calf for him. My son, my son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But, but we had to celebrate and be glad and find joy because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. Too many times you and I are the older brother. We're walking around. To de- we think we determine who deserves grace and who doesn't. 
we're exercising the judgment that only God can do. Who belongs in, who doesn't belong in? He said, no, no, you've, you've got what you need. You're in relationship with me, so extend that grace to other people. How, how are you treating people? What's wrong with our world? We're so quick to just put somebody down, to sit, I mean, make them feel so bad about themselves. All right, this is point number one. I got to speed up a little bit. But I, how, I, this week, my son came home from his school with his folder for being the Spartan of the week. My son's a big deal. <laughs> Granted, every student gets a turn at Spartan of the week, so it's maybe not that big of a deal. I was just a little frustrated. It was like eight weeks into school by the time he was Spartan of the week. <laughs> Better believe I emailed the teacher about that. No, my son needs to go first. But check this out. All the kids in the class wrote the student of the week a note. And it says, for who, from whom, I like it when, then fill in the blank. I've noticed you are good at fill in the blank. You are special because fill in the blank. I like it when you play with me. I've noticed you're good at running, R-U-N-I-N-G. Come on, first graders. You know, come on, teachers. Two N's in that. You are special because you are my friend. I like it when you play with me. I've noticed you're good at running. My kid must be fast. It's also with one in. Need to teach her to focus. You are special because God loves both of us. I'm like, are you? That's unbelievable. Uh, one, uh, one more. Um, where was this one? I, I, I like it when you play with me on the playground. I've noticed you're good at earning dollars. Okay, my man. My man. What's going down at school? But then here's the one that really got me. These, these first graders speaking words of encouragement over each other. Speaking positivity. Speaking hope. We sang here for Lake Martin and for Auburn. We sang uh, Holy Ground. Cheryl was mentioning earlier, hope found. Hope found is sometimes through the preaching of the word. Hope found is sometimes through the presence of God when we're praising God and something he's putting on your heart. A lot of times when you show up at church, that's why I think being a part of a church, being a part of a community group is so important. Hope is often found through the words of each other. So he says, don't judge or you too will be judged. Don't criticize, don't condemn, don't put down. The opposite of that is show grace, speak hope, speak life, speak encouragement. And it says, you're special because God made you. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean people don't need to change. That doesn't mean we excuse every fault. That doesn't mean we look over every shortcoming. But that does mean we, there is something that we can find of value in every single person's life. And if you want to be a part of this transformation process, if you want to see people's lives change for the glory of God, it's not going to be through condemning. It's going to be through projecting and speaking life and hope and the fact that they're made in the image of God, that God has a plan for their life, and that God loves them. So participate is what Jesus is telling us to do in this transformation process by first letting him change you. 
And then as he changes you, you'll see him change other people around you. It'll be pretty awesome. We'll uh, keep going because that went a lot longer than I was intending. But Matthew, back to Matthew chapter 7. He, it, it, we won't spend a ton of time on this. It says, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. There's a few different uh, interpretations on this. But I think the word for us today, especially, is that he's talking about don't throw to dogs what is sacred. He's not calling people dogs and he's putting them down. He's just talking about people most likely, that these uh, people that couldn't digest either the pearls or the valuables that they were giving them. They weren't going to help them. So if you want people to change, if you want to be used by God to pe- see people live different lives, it's don't force something down their throat. Anybody ever walk through a mall that people don't understand timing? And you got the guys or the girls at the kiosk that really want your attention. Anybody ever stopped and talked to those people? Not often. But you're like walking out the door and you're hurry, hey, 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 I gotta, I gotta tell you something. And you're like, no, thank you, my man. I think he's talking about the same thing here. We, we want people to know the gospel. We want people to know the good news of Jesus. But sometimes our tactics are to just force it down their throats where they can't digest it. They're not gonna receive it. So we need to understand some timing. But what I also think he's saying is with your valuable moments with Jesus, your valuable words you receive from, from the word of God, from the Holy Spirit, not all of those are meant to be shared. Let me put it a different way. Not every quiet time is supposed to be published on Instagram. Because like we, we feel like we're only getting to the word to be able to have something to share with other people. But in this relationship, uh, teaching from Jesus, he's like, there's valuable things that God wants to say just to you, that God just wants to put in your life, that God wants to put on your heart. And it's for you, between you and him. Doesn't have to be shared, doesn't have to be broadcast, doesn't have to be bragged about. There are moments that God just wants to have intimacy and fellowship and communion with you. I think there's also a very big spiritual principle here that I don't want to miss over. You have valuable things in your life. Time, this year, your resources. You want to invest those wisely and not just people that are going to trample those and take advantage of it. So don't give to the dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. But then here's the part that we like. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What does that mean? Does that mean we can just get whatever we want from God? Does that mean that we just ask it? It's like my son right now, he's uh, last night during the A&M game, he was just asking for a penalty to be called, asking God for a penalty to be called on Mississippi State. I'm like, keep praying, son, we need help. Also, sometimes he'll just be driving down the road. He's still not sure about all the different things between God and Santa. He's like, Santa, I want a trampoline. I'm like, but Santa's not omniscient. Like, he's not omnipresent. He just doesn't hear. Like, you know, like, he just thinks you just ask, and then you'll get something. We, we obviously know that's not the case. But I want you to know a couple things about prayer. Gage, again, a great message on prayer. There, there's the principles of prayer. Ask. 
seek and knock. But if you really want to interpret correctly, you would put the word keep in front of them. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Prayer should be a habit. Prayer should be consistent. Is it, it isn't one time just a little flyer to the sky, to the heavens. And if we don't get what we want, then we just move on. No, God wants to form in you, you and me this habit of communion and a fellowship. But what's really rocking my world in this is the progression of prayer that Jesus is teaching. Ask, we, that's what we think about when we think about prayer, right? We're supposed to ask God and there is nothing wrong. The, the Lord loves, the Father loves when you come to him and ask him for things. You don't need to feel bad. My, my kids don't get, I'm not upset except this morning at 5 a.m. when they kept asking to watch shows and I'm like, okay, we're frustrated now but your father loves when you come and ask him for things. But if it, if it just stops at the ask, if it just stops there and there's no seeking, there's that progression. There's, there's seeking after his heart, not just asking for the gifts. There's gotta be a seeking after his heart. And then knocking, that, that's a weird progression, but knock, are you, are you knocking on the house that you, he hopes she gives you? Are you knocking on the, the, the relationship he hopes, you hope he gives you? The, the job? No, you're knocking on his door to come into his house, into his fellowship. So ask for things, the provision, the daily bread, the things that you need, the help, the breakthrough. Seek after his heart and then knock on the door believing that he's going to let you into increased intimacy, fellowship, a deeper relationship. And what happens as we form a deeper relationship with Jesus, then the ask start changing, right? the things that we care about will start shifting. It won't just be about the stuff. And, and your father is good. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. He wants to give you good gifts. But do you trust that? Do you trust Jesus's words Jesus is teaching, if you really live this way, do you trust the fact that he wants to give you good things? And then the most convicting part for me, is there scripture that talks about all of our prayers? I don't know how it's all gonna work out, but they get stored up in Revelation, talking about being stored up into a bowl, right? That a bowl in heaven, and I think that's very much just imagery. But what if, and this isn't gonna happen, but what if when we got to heaven, we got, we got handed a scroll of all the prayers we ever prayed when we were on earth? Like, hey, welcome to the presence of God. Welcome to forever. Just wanna give you a little uh, recap of all the things that you prayed for. Because there's this great promise, ask, you'll receive, seek, you'll find, knock, and your door will be opened. I'm not talking about you. I'm going to talk about me for a minute. When, I, when I'm in the presence of Jesus, in heaven, how disappointed would I be if all only things that were on my list were for selfish provision? Help me pass that test. Help me be more comfortable. Help me to get the stuff that I want. And there are things in your life that are near you, praying for your kids. Come on, I wanna have a long list of the things I was praying over my wife and my kids and my family. 
I hope that, you know, there should be a a long prayer list. God, I know I got a lot of planks. Could you help me get rid of the planks? But if it's just, oh God, help me get this job because I need more money. Help me get more status so I can feel more important. It's like we were talking about Afghanistan. What if on the scroll is a lot of prayers for people around the world knowing that you can't be everywhere, but you can participate in everything through your prayers? What's on your scroll? Because you've been given such a beautiful invitation from the Father. I have ask and seek and knock. And he wants to give good things, not just to you, but to the people around you. Are we taking advantage of this invitation? Are we realizing that only the things of God can satisfy? Are we walking in different intimacy, in deeper intimacy with Jesus? Reality is, is that I'm selfish. And I think that's why Jesus put this prayer right in the middle of his teaching about how to treat others. Because then he also goes on in verse 12 and repeats or says one of the most well-known verses of scripture. Therefore do to others what you want them to do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. So you got a section before about how to treat each other. Then we take a little stop on prayer and then we go right back with the word therefore. That means it still connects everything, how we treat others. So what's that saying to me? That my prayer life shouldn't just center around me. It's like Gage with the unspokens a couple weeks ago. You also got the prayer request, right? And the other tactic that was used, if you didn't want to speak something out loud, then you squeeze the hand of the person next to you. Y'all ever in those prayer chains? Or you share prayer requests and you're like, I actually don't know what you're saying because I'm just thinking about what I'm going to share with you when it's my turn. We just feel like we're in church settings, we're in community group. That's what we got to do. We got to share prayer requests because that's how you end a gathering, end a meeting. No, Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I, I've given you this invitation to ask, to seek, and to knock, and try to get out of your way. And don't be so selfish when it comes to your prayer life. Pray on other people's behalf. Seek and ask on behalf of the other people. Stand in the gap between the porch and the altar for the people in your family, for the people in your city, for the people as you're walking through campus. Just speak up prayers. Doesn't have to be a 30 minute quiet time at the beginning of the day. It could just be as you roll through the day, speak out hope in the name of the Jesus for the people that you interact with. Ask, seek, and knock. But he's also putting it in there because he knows He knows that you and I are selfish in our sinful nature, hypocritical. In our sinful nature, he said evil. So he wants us to pray so we can have a source of this grace, a source of this agape love. Because if we want to live differently than the world, if we want to not criticize but extend grace, it's got to come from an abundance mentality. 
that you've got more than enough. Because when you go to your father and you realize it might not all be easy, it might not all be perfect, but he is blessing you. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms that you have a relationship with him, that you've got, you're good. Then it gives you a, a source, an overflow. Not like, hey, I need to put people down so I can have enough. No, I'm good. My, God, my father has got me. He has blessed me. And I've got this abundance mentality. We were at a football game a couple weeks ago. We were at the uh, Alabama-Miami Hurricanes game. I wonder who y'all were rooting for. Not talking to the Birmingham people, but we were sitting on the back row of like the second deck. And right behind us was some people in a suite that had unlimited food. I did not realize this at first. So the first time it came around that somebody just handed my kids like a bag of candy. It's like, hey, that's from the guy back there. And I'm like, okay, one, ask the parents first, but two, my man. (laughs) Then next thing you know, dipping Dots come out. Then next thing, like a hot dog comes out. We're not paying for any of this. And we're like all sharing it around, passing it around. Well, it turns out the guy's going back to the buffet line and he's realizing he's not paying for any of it either. It is all covered. And he's just coming and passing it out to the common people out, not in the suite. And I'm like, okay, we got good seats. We're not in the suite. Will you tell me how it is up there? But at least we get to taste the food. This is the ask, seek, and knock. This is doing to other people. You have a father who has blessed you richly and deeply. And as you commune with him, as you dine with him, as you know him, he'll give you, he'll fill you up to the overflow. And then you'll just walk into the world with a lot of stuff to pour out to people that need it. And it's, a, it's an opportunity for every single person. Every single one of you has been invited in so you'll have something to share when you come out. But it's up to you to go in to the secret place, Matthew 6, to know Jesus. And then you'll have something to to do, some action, something to give the people around you. We need to wrap up. I wanna end with this and the band's gonna come and lead us. I I wanna talk specifically into the life of Auburn Community Church. Birmingham, Lake Martin, you. I know some of you are new. It is not, there's no mistake that God is on the move. It's by the the power of the Holy Spirit, a desperation through prayer. I mean, come on, a few hundred people showing up just to watch a screen in Birmingham is phenomenal. This whole series is some of you are the masses. Y'all are new to this story and you're jumping in. I would just say to the masses, to the people that are new, I, one, uh, no one is perfect, but this place is special and the people are special and there is a place for you. And I don't believe there's anything better than being a part, a committed, loyal part of a group of people that is on mission with Jesus and for Jesus to see lives changed. And so don't hold back, just jump all in. There's a place for you. That's this whole series where we're inviting you in. But I do, as a guest speaker, but a friend, a family member of this church, I want to speak to the, the remnant. 
those that have been around for a long time, those that believe deeply in the mission of this church and wanna see it succeed. You know this church has an enemy, right? You know your walk with Jesus, building your life on a rock, you know it has an enemy. That there are forces We don't see them, but there are forces, the Bible is very clear, against you walking with Jesus. And you might already be saved, so he's not going to take away your salvation. But as long as he can stagnate you or frustrate you or detach you from God's people, then the enemy feels just fine about what he's doing. If he keeps you from being on that mission. You know what the enemy's tactic typically is with churches? Not attacks or anything. This is a spiritual principle with families. Not attacks from the outside, but disunity, frustration from the inside. And, and that's why we need the Sermon on the Mount. We need to have this mutual, yes, there's shortcomings. Yes, we all fail. But as long as we're not judgmental and condemning, and as long as we're not talking about people behind each other's backs, but we're showing grace, we're not trying to be publicly frustrating, but privately we can be helpful. Somebody is gonna, somebody's gonna frustrate you in this church. Somebody is not gonna meet your expectation. Not every Sunday is gonna be perfect. You're not gonna like that guest speaker from Atlanta, you know? I mean, oh, thank you. There was no amen right there. <laughs> but it turns out, this is crazy, it turns out Jesus knew what he was talking about. It's just like when he was speaking about tension with people. He said, you know what you should do? If you got a problem with a brother or sister, this this is crazy. It does not happen in 2021. He said, you you should go talk to that person. What? No, we got to go talk about that person. No, if you just go talk to that person. It happens to me all the time in church. People are like, man, I got a problem with so-and-so in the church, people of God, what they did to me. I was like, have you talked to them about it? No, 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 no. Well, Jesus said, go talk to him about it. And if that doesn't work, he said, go talk to him with another believer. And if that doesn't work, go talk to him with some elders from the church. So if you want to learn how to reconcile, that's how Jesus wants you to do it. it. This thing works, the church, the community of God. The people of God, it works if we follow Jesus' teaching. And it's not going to be easy because in our sinful nature, we see something wrong about somebody and we're like, can you believe that? Or I can't believe they did that. Less criticism, more grace. Less about me, more about how God wants to use us and move in the lives of us. And if you want to continue to go strong, Auburn Community Church, if you don't want the devil to take you out or get a foothold, then you're going to need to put these teachings into practice because there is no one perfect, not even one. And as long as we're all humbly looking to Jesus, asking him to move in our lives, transform our lives, shine his spotlight on our stuff, then we can walk in humility and be helpful to the people around us. But first we look here, then we look here, and then we can look there. Here, eyes on Jesus. Here, 
What do you want to change in me? Here, how do you want to use me to help other people? So that's how we're going to end. We're going to go here, and then we're going to go here for a long time. Let me give you a few moments. Not a long time, because I understand you need to turn left out of the parking lot. But we're going to have a moment of prayer. And what you're going to ask God is like he had a flashlight. Say, what are the parts of me, the areas of me that aren't honoring to you? That aren't pleasing to you? Or what are the parts of my life that I'm not giving you control of? You're asking God to show you some planks right now. What are some areas that I'm not trusting you in? What are some things that I need to work on? That's gonna be a really holy moment. Aren't you glad you came to church? But this is the way of the kingdom. Let's pray. And ask God in his love and kindness, to shine his light on the dark places of your life. We're going to close with a, a newer song to your community. And I love this song. And I typically sing it thinking about just all that he wants to do through me. But today I want to sing it more about what he wants to do in me. The darkest nights, you can light it up because you're the God of revival. Before there's going to be a revival in our families or a revival in our schools, a revival in our workplaces, or a revival in our cities, we're going to need a revival in our hearts. So we need Jesus to light up the dark places of our lives so there can be a revival around us. We need that revival in us before it happens through us. So come on, Auburn community. Let's ask God to light up our lives.